This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show. Kroisar, hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast, brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. It's been a week of change in North Wales. We've had new signings, two departures, a new away kit and the full fixture list for the 2022-23 season. I suppose you could say Christmas has come early, Mr Nathan Salt. Uh, yeah, I, I wondered how long. You, to be honest, you, you've taken longer than I thought to get to the, the ribbon of me. Yeah, I hold my hands up. Um, I made an error. I, well, you know what? I, I say I made an error. I'm going to take ownership of it. I made an error. Um trusted trusted someone that told me some information about Oldham as you said if you if you're a regular listener you'll have heard me say that Oldham I was led to believe was the festive fixture I I yeah I I, I trusted the information and it was wrong so egg on my face tomatoes all over my windows uh booze all around for me rich yeah, um, I suppose you could say taken for a fool. And speaking of taken, Nath, brings us on to the next point of order. In this podcast, obviously you know by now, if you've been listening, Hypnotic are the band that, along with Red 10 People Development, are supporting us. I use their music for the stings in between. And this one, new stings in this episode as we go through. They have a new track out on Friday, so this is a little bit of a sneak peek of their new track. Uh, meatloaf style rock tracks if you're into meatloaf this one will be for you it's pretty apt actually because this is sort of the week where since our last podcast we've taken there you can see what I did there. They've taken, well, we've taken two new signings into the club, Rich, and you can probably get us going with the first one that got the summer going, a certain Mr. Jordan Tunnicliffe. Yeah, I think the signing that no one really saw coming, really. I think when we sat down and analysed where Wrexham need to strengthen this summer, centre-back was on the list, but probably wasn't first up on the list. And obviously the subsequent news that Tyler French and Sean Brisley both left the club, mm. which we will discuss and we'll discuss of... Mark Crichton as well in the clip coming up shortly. But yeah, Jordan Tunnicliffe arriving at the club. Really good CV, really impressive signing. And that strength and depth that we've been lacking really. And I know Mark will get onto it as well when he analyses the transfer. The strength and depth that we were missing out on last season because when Hayden was out of the team, we just were a shadow of our former selves. And now hopefully Tunnicliffe, he's not going to make up the numbers. And I love that from what Park is getting from his players this summer. He's signing people who want to win, who want to get promoted, but they also expect to be playing every single match, mm. which is a healthy sort of competition to have. And yeah, I'm really excited for this one, Nave. It, it it is healthy, but I think you can. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a nightmare for our kind of fan hub teams if you're trying to get a free pint and predict everything uh, correct. I, I think you've got five centre backs there now, in Toza Hayden. 
Kluwerth, Lennon, and now Tunnicliffe. Five players there, I think, that will believe in the heart of hearts that they should be starting every single week. As we've already said, Lennon, once he proves his fitness, just won't play multiple games in a week. I can't see it. Uh, I can't see it, given his history, if he plays twice in a week. Max definitely won't want to go on the periphery, and he's already come out and said, look, he, he's, he's welcomed Tannikliff coming in. He's saying, look, competition for places is a good thing. I'm looking forward to it. Bring it on, which is exactly what you want. And and from his CV, I mean, what was it? 2020, 2021, League 2 Team of the Year alongside a certain Cambridge Paul Mullin. Cambridge United Paul Mullin. So, look, the, the, he's got credentials. Mark, as we've already said, knows him better than most, having worked closely with him. But, you know, we said, didn't we, Rich? A key area centre-back. It was a problem when Aaron Hayden went out of the team, needed to rectify it, and Parky's gone and got someone on a free transfer that looks a, a really clever pickup. You know, he's managed to convince him to drop out the league, and, and you're not telling me that his aim or his vision isn't the isn't immediately get promoted. Yeah, exactly. And you've brought someone in from the league for free, and you've sold Tyler French for a fee. So in terms of almost a trade, a like for like replacement, that is. Absolutely incredible, and I think. And you're that, a poet, and you didn't know it, seemingly. Well, I did know it, and I don't always show it, but I just forgot about them. But Tyler French, Tyler French for a female. We've just got to get on to that, haven't we? Because as fascinating as the Tunnicliffe move was, it did beg the question, didn't we? We said, "Who's going to fall down the order? Who's going to be that fifth choice?" I think we said, didn't we? Even in our group chat, it was, "What does that mean for Tyler French?" And, and well, it it means a move to Dundee FC. Uh, in Scotland what did you make of that that one did seem to come a little bit out of the blue yeah I thought that he was a good good reserve squad option to have but that's not what he wanted we know there was the frustration of him not playing enough that was well documented from both I think him and his family you know he he came to Wrexham with the idea of playing every week and being a starting centre-half and it never really worked for him and he was the defender who was almost victim of having to come into a team replacing the fan favourite Aaron Hayden because yeah. anything he did that wasn't up to Aaron Hayden's immense standards was critiqued really harshly and he could never really maybe play enough to get that same partnership and understanding of the other centre-halves and then you think of the rash moments, Borenwood away, that penalty right at the death, which yeah, you know, just basically just killed off any faint hopes we had of the title. And... I know they were going to come back, but it just felt like that was a real decisive moment, really, in that chase. And yeah, I just think that he wants—he's got a better opportunity, really. There is—he can go to Dundee and play every week. Whereas if he's staying at Wrexham, he is fifth or sixth choice. And now Tunnicliffe's in—you know—the chances of him playing are even more diminished. So I think you know it would have been good and greedy for us to keep him as a reserve option, but for a player of his age, he should want to go and play elsewhere that should be his, his driving factor really and you know good luck to him up in Scotland we'll be keeping a keen eye on how he gets on but we're gonna have a keen eye now on Jordan Tunnicliffe we mentioned Mark Crichton earlier in the podcast he actually worked alongside Jordan at Kidderminster Harriers and I caught up with him this week to get the lowdown on Wrexham's new centre-back <laughs> So I guess, Mark, it's been a busy week for Wrexham on centre-backs. One's arrived, two have left. I guess we'll start with Tunner Cliff. First of all, how how do you know him? Um, I, I, I took George uh, when I was at Kidderminster uh, as assistant manager. Uh, Darren Moore phoned me, uh, who was at West Bromwich Albion at the time, uh, and just basically said, Christ, I can't believe we're letting him go, um, but you need to take him. Uh, and obviously Darren's a good mate of mine and obviously Darren being a centre-half he's going to know one he's going to know a decent one so uh, we, we took him and we got him very very cheap uh, probably a lot cheaper than what Rex have got him now um, but uh, yeah we took a punt on him and he, and he was excellent you know as a young lad coming in to a tough division at that age you know to play centre-half at that age, he's, he's tough at that level um, because, you know, he's very much coming from an academy into a men's game. Um, some can sink, and he, and he definitely didn't. He was brave, um, always going to be technically good because um, of coming through the academy. Um, but he's, he's gone on and done exceptionally well, which you know, I knew he would as well. 
Um, I've kept a close eye on him over the last few years because he's done very, very well in the Football League. A lot of people talk about him. Um, and the only other thing I can say about him is he's an, he's an absolute pleasure to work with. Top pro. Does everything that you expect of a top pro. So he's, a, in my opinion, a fantastic signing for the club. What type of obviously the three centre-backs last season, what type of role do you think he'll, he'll take at Wrexham? Is he that ball-playing centre-half? Is he no-nonsense? He's um, he's quite versatile, uh, in all honesty. George Decent on the ball, like I say, come through in the academy at West Bromwich Albion. Um, and we all know, you know what the academies are like. It's all about you know, handling the ball at your feet. Um, so he, he, he's got no issue doing that. But he's, he's, also, he's also a rough and ready centre-half. He's not massive, but he's, he's brave, and if you look at his nose, it's bent out of shape, and that's because he gets it smashed in arm almost every other week. And that just tells you a proper centre-half. I mean, my nose is quite straight, considering I was a centre-half, but nobody really sort of beat me in the air. But um, with Jord, you just, you, you're going to get a die-hard player, which is, you know, careers are made off the back of that, and mine was one of them. Um, you know, I technically wasn't very good. George's way better than I was, technically. Um, but he's got the same level of heart that I have, you know, and that that puts us in good stead, in my opinion. In terms of how he goes into the team now, then, do you think he's someone who comes in and, and can start straight away for you, or do you think he is just about having that really high quality reserve player that maybe we didn't have last season? I, I think I, I don't think it's about us having a first eleven and, and, and a reserve mm. team. I think it's about us having strength within the squad that can ultimately throw a spanner in the works every single week for, for Phil. What he wants is competition for places so that nobody gets to rest on their laurels. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, last season, that's probably the difference between ourselves and Stockport is that Stockport had a little bit more to choose from elsewhere. We didn't really have that. Now, you know, it just goes to show when, you know, when we lost the big man at the end of last season at centre-half, um, Hayden, he, you know, we struggled. Yeah, you know, so that's, and that's because we didn't have somebody that could come in there and, and you know and play the same sort of game and have the same sort of stature that he did. We've got to have that if we're going to be successful. We've got to be prepared and recruiting for players that can come in, and you know we don't have a downturn in performance. Yeah, exactly. In terms of the two that have left this week, then Brisley and French both gone. We never really got to see much of Brisley. It seems like you know. Um, no. It's just a sad situation there, really. And I think Parky said before in the past, it's because Max was so good. And then, obviously, yeah. you've got Hayden and Tozer. It's, it was a well-established yeah. back three. Tyler, were yeah. you surprised to see him go? He, he... I, I was. I was, to be fair. I was, I, I was actually a really big fan of Tyler's. I thought he was, a, he, he was exceptionally good for us and actually quite versatile. Um, and probably found himself pretty unfortunate to, to be out of the team for a slightly larger chunk of the season than he wanted to be. Um, but in, in, whenever called upon, I, I don't think I ever saw him have a bad game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I saw every single game, but when I watched him, I was I was impressed. Um, definitely an athlete, fairly strong in the air, good with the ball at his feet, good attitude. I mean, um, only as far as you can tell. I'm, I'm not in and around the club, so I don't know. But I, I, I was surprised, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, was he out of contract? I don't know whether he was out of contract. No, he's been sold for a fee to, to Dundee, so... Okay, so it, that probably tells you then that um, it was probably about playing time. Mm. He's probably not been guaranteed to start or something along those lines, and he's thought, "Well, you know what? I'll go and get some games elsewhere." Because I think if he plays, he, he does well, and he can go, he can go higher. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, he's probably making that decision based on that. Yeah, I guess final question for the Kreitz: How how you coping this summer? You excited for the new season? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, to be fair, the fixtures are out today. I've not seen it yet, though. I've been working. So, what, what have we got? What's what's it looking like? Eastleigh at home on the first day, Yeovil Eastleigh away the week after, and the third game is Chesterfield away on a Tuesday night. Will you will you be brave in that one? Do you think? Tasty fixture. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, do you know what? Potentially, it's the uh, late summer evenings. That could be a decent one to go to. Um, we'll have work the next day, though, so that's always off putting. But um, well worth oh, no, it. Okay, that's good. Easily at home, we'll take that. Yeah, and in terms of what else you've seen this season, any other positions you think we need to strengthen the weeks ahead? Like you said, it's just about having those players. You know, I think. I think we've. I think we've been lacking uh, Jay Harris for a while. Since we, funny enough, since we left, we lost <laughs> Jay Harris. Um, I think we could do with someone who's a little bit nasty in the middle of the park. I think we've got flair, we've got creativity, 
we got goals in Jord, but I, I think we lack a bit of nastiness, if I'm honest. Yeah. Those games where cold Tuesday nights where you need someone to just go and snot somebody, I don't think we got that. Um, you know, someone to grab the game by the scuff of the neck. And also, I think, I think we need we need something a bit more up top. You know, if you lose a Mullin like we did, um, we need somebody who can come in and you know you're pretty much going to still get same level of goal from and I know that costs money but guess what we've got money so um, for me that's where I'd be I'd be looking to have a, a, a three three strikers who are literally prolific now we've got two of them for me I think we probably need one more Rich, that was, you know, as it always is with Beast, uh, Crichton. Mark Crichton is brilliant value and really good insight there in terms of versatility. I think on the face of it, you look at Tonico if you think, right, is he this no-nonsense centre-back? It's going to slot him. Well, actually, it seems like he could probably play anywhere alongside that back three. And yes, French gave us that versatility. What I wanted to say very quickly on French before we cut to the interview with Mark was... I think he was almost a victim of the system in a way. I don't really think he was an orthodox wing-back in the mould of, say, Bryce or Reese or Johnson. And he was just a completely different centre-back to Aaron Hayden, so kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, really, and where does he fit? And, and I'm sure he'll go up to Dundee. They may play a flat-back four, and, and, he, and he will hopefully and probably thrive up there under a manager he's worked with before. So, yeah, good luck to him. Uh, I just thought it was really interesting at the end. You asked Mark about, you know, what do we need in in the rest of the window? What what do you want to go and get? And he said we need a Jay Harris. And I think if you know, if you went and got a, if you if you asked fans oh, let's go and get a Rottweiler Terrier type player that can just harry disrupt, I don't think there'd be anybody really keen to not see that happen. So he's bang on the money. But yeah, Jordan Tonicliffe. I mean, you you spoke to Kreitz. Sounds even better than than even I imagined when we got him. Yeah, it's a glowing endorsement as ever, and especially from a player who we all hold so highly in what we want from a centre-half. So really excited and someone here with the right mentality, it seems, in Jordan Tunnicliffe. But he's not the only born winner that we've signed this week, is he, Nave? We've also got Mark Howard in for the goalkeeping department. Really interested to see how this affects the dynamic. I know that we... Oh, Rich, Rich, easy done. But you've completely glossed over, like many of us had, the short career somewhat of Mr. Sean Brisley. I think that's right. Honorary mention at least. And I, I that's what I thought. I thought you were just giving him about as much time as Phil Parkinson, which will give him a little bit more. I mean we Rich, we saw some Sean Brisley Wrexham history. We were there. We were at, there. At, is it is it the hive? We were there. You get the T shirts made up, mate. We were there. Um at Barnet away. What's it called now? Is it the Hive? Yeah the Sean Brisley tour. Yeah we were there. The Sean Brisley tour mate. Rob Ryan Red on tour watching Sean Brisley nodding uh, in a comfortable win at Barnet. I, I can't remember many of the times he actually played. Can you? That's what me, oh, I completely forgot existed even then when I was meant to be signing I, him off. When my yeah. specific note said, mention Sean Brisley, <laughs> I still glossed over it. So, yeah, um, just didn't work out. And I think that he would have... to him. Well, I think he would have started games... I think the intention originally was for him to come in and be a starter last season... And then the Tozer deal happened, which yeah. at one stage didn't look like it was going to happen. And that meant that Brisley wasn't going to be the central of the three defenders that we brought him in to do. And then Lennon started really well. Hayden was colossal. So those two roles were you know, out of the question. And then Max comes along and is incredible. You know, just Br- yeah, absolutely Br- Brisley, incredible. Brisley got injured, didn't he? In, in one, it might have even been the very first preseason game yeah. away at Tamworth. It was either the first or second one. He gets injured there and he was out, I think, for the rest of pre-season. And, for the... and I really think it's easy to say now who knows what would have happened. But if he'd have come in, hit the ground, running, been, you know, Colossus. Well, maybe you don't even sign Tozer. Maybe. Maybe. Because the, everything, you know, we wanted maybe. a centre-back, but maybe the need wasn't as you know important or, or, or pressing. It really is one of those sliding doors moments. And, of course, best wishes to him going forward. All Sorry that we forgot you again, but you know, <laughs> maybe... Maybe Mark Howard then, the Mark Howard, goalkeeper. We've been saying on the podcast for weeks, Rich, got to get a goalkeeper. Can we get a goalkeeper? Can we go and get a new number one? And I'll admit, I'll be the first to hold my hands up. I saw a one-year deal, 
35-year-old goalkeeper, free agent. I was thinking Mark Lee Howard. Camp. Mark too. I thought, no. I thought they're sticking with Lainton and Dibble. They're going to be your two. This is the third. I from from the reading I've done, the people I've spoken to, I couldn't have been I couldn't be more wrong. I think Mark Howard is coming here to be the number one and won't settle for less than being the number one, which for Aiden Davison, the the, the the new goalkeeping coach, brilliant. What what competition that'll be between what we imagine will be Rob Lainton and uh Mark Howard. So yeah, definitely not an, a, a new Lee Camp. You know, he'll definitely see more minutes um, than Lee Camp did. A very look, Rich. It, it it seems a very very smart pickup. Yeah, and you know we went on social media, Rob Ryan Red on Instagram, and we put a poll up as well, and we just asked quite simply who should be Wrexham's number one next season. I'm sorry, Christian Dibble. It only let me put two options down, so I did leave you off the list. Um, 64% of fans went for Howard. Um, 36 wow. went for Lainton, which I thought was quite surprising. That I think is. you can forget how amazing Rob Lainton is. The fact that he had that injury at the end of the season, which you know kept him out for so long, you can take for granted how good he is. But yeah, you just need that competition, and I can't, I can't wait. Bring it on, and hopefully we can have further additions like that in the weeks ahead. That you know really do cement this competition for places sort of mentality and Nath you've been getting the lowdown on Mr Howard as well yes I like I say I was just digging around and I thought I need to study up on a player that was in the same Arsenal youth team as one Cesc Fabregas and Nicholas Bentner so I thought look I've got to figure out what is this guy's deal so I thought I'll enlist the help Rich sometimes I need help uh, and so I enlisted the help of John Coleman, who's sports writer for the News and Star, who cover Carlisle brilliantly, cover them extensively. And as as you'll hear, John is a little bit sick of Wrexham nabbing Carlisle's best players. So we had Aaron Hayden. Now we've got Mark Howard. And John gave Rob Ryan Red the lowdown on what we can expect from the new goalkeeper. <laughs> So then, thanks for coming on, as we said in the intro there. First thing then, what, what do we need to know about, about Mark Howard? What is he like? Will he be our number one? Will he come and sit on the bench? What can we expect, do you think? I don't imagine he'll, he'll come in and want to be, be sitting on the bench. Yeah? But what, what, what are you getting in, Mark Howard? Well, from Carlisle's point of view last season, he was, he was an absolutely crucial um arguably the most important player in, in Carlisle digging themselves out of a very deep hole. Um, he came in a couple of months into the season, about October time. Um, the manager was on the brink of the sack. The team's form was absolutely dreadful. They had a bit of a goalkeeping problem with one or two injuries um, and they brought Mark Howard in as a free agent. And from day one, he proved to be this sort of source of, of experience and, and calm and professionalism. Um, that the team so desperately needed. I mean, he saved the penalty on his debut. Um, wasn't the only penalty he saved last season, actually. But but in general, he just brought. I don't know some of those games when you you don't really notice your goalkeeper are sometimes are sometimes the the best ones. That there was a there was a run of games over the winter when Carlisle picked up a few important points. They were playing a lot of the rivals down at the bottom end of the table, and Howard was just taking the sting out of some of those games. Not not with anything greatly spectacular, but just uh, you know claiming his crosses, spreading a bit of composure through the team. Um, you know, not not a, a sort of showy or demonstrative goalkeeper or a, or a maverick or anything like that. But in Carlisle's particular predicament, he was just the sort of person and and and, and keeper they needed. So I know Wrexham's circumstances are are a little bit different in terms of the what the expectations are going to be going into next season and everything. But from my point of view, certainly, and I think most Carlisle supporters they would say you've got yourself a pretty safe pair of hands there. So, you know, he goes on and wins player of the season. Was that, you know, unanimous in a season that, like you say, was, was a tricky old season in the end? I mean, was he just a runaway contender for that award? He was, yeah. I mean, we, we run an annual um, player of the year vote in, in 
the news and stuff, and it was it was it was straight ahead of anyone in that. And and also at the the club's own end of season official awards, he he won pretty much every individual category there was, and there weren't really too many complaints about that. Um, in a way, it's and I think he said this himself when I was talking to him that night. It kind of sums up the sort of season that you've had when your goalkeeper sweeps the board. However, um, that shouldn't downplay the fact that he fully deserved those those awards again. Not for what you would call a spectacular season, but mm. just being a sort of touchstone of reliability that a struggling team, you know, it can, it can, a struggling team can sink or swim by that, and and he, he helped them swim. So, um, yeah, he was, he was, in terms of performance and character, and just the general package in the situation Carlisle were in, he was, he was, he was a real asset, and and I think he'll always go with the, the respect of the supporters here for what he did. And what, you know, obviously he leaves and reading up on kind of some of the news and star coverage of when he left, what was the mood around that? Was it purely a want to build a younger squad and and fans accepted that? Or was there kind of disappointment that, you know, player of the season has moved on? Because for us, that used to be pretty common. Now, obviously, we've got different means that we're able to go and post these players. But, you know, was there a bit of discontent that he went? I think it was probably a mixed reaction in, in all fairness and that's not to sit on the fence I think that there was there was a couple of readings of it one was obvious disappointment from, from a lot of people that a player who'd, who'd obviously contributed so well and, and was an obvious player of the year and, and, and certainly earned those awards with his performances and, and it had been a bit of a Mr Consistency had, had, had been let go I think mm. I think it's inevitable you'll get that sort of reaction when, when a decision like that's made at the same time the manager making that decision is one of the most sort of popular and trusted managers Carlisle have had for a long time in, in Paul Simpson and I think people have a lot of really ingrained um, sort of profound faith in Paul Simpson in, in his decision making so I think there was a lot of in Simo we trust sort of thinking that yes it's made a decision that some may disagree with but let's back him to, to go in the direction he wants to go in um, in terms of his goalkeeper and bring in someone of, of maybe a different profile and, and, and different attributes maybe and maybe looking a little bit more to to the future, um, so yeah, I, I'd say there was a there was a pretty balanced view, I think. And, and again, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? As, as to as to the guy Carlisle had brought in, will he prove a, a sort of better goalkeeper and 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 help the team raise its sights a bit from that relegation battle and, that they were in last year? But but in terms of Mark Howard, I think he, he certainly left with of all the players Carlisle let go. I think he was the one that. that, that more worth, you know, maybe a little bit split on than, than most of the others. What, what was he like as a, as a kind of character to be around? Because we've seen little snippets of interviews and podcasts he's done and he seems incredibly ambitious. Obviously, we know his background from Arsenal and all that sort of thing. Is he is he that kind of dressing room figure, not just because he's older and an older player, but, it, but is he the type that, that is quite vocal, is quite demonstrative? I know you're not saying necessarily so, but, but how have you found him just being around him as a reporter? Yeah, I think you know, when I say not, not so demonstrative, maybe that's compared with some some other goalkeepers that yeah. you watch. But I think behind the scenes, I mean, he came in like I said before at a time when Carlo were really struggling. The team was it was pretty broken, to be honest. And one of the first things he said in his interviews at the very outset was how sort of quiet the dressing room was. It wasn't a, it wasn't a loud dressing room. It wasn't a bold, noisy dressing room. And I think he was pretty keen and adamant to, to bring a bit of that, to bring a bit of, of, of sort of a vocal quality and, and he would sort of set some of that some of that standard I think and, and obviously on the pitch he was that as well so yeah he's not a shrinking violet in that respect I don't think he's not your sort of mm. you know cliched sort of maverick goalkeeper mm. who does strange things and, and talks nonsense and all of that he's, but he's, he always came across as a, as a very professional sort of guy who wouldn't um, who wouldn't hold back from saying what he thought whether that's behind the scenes or, or more more openly too, but he always spoke in quite a measured way as well. Um, but off off the field, he's been sort of doing some doing some studies um, in I think sort of a sort of media yeah. kind of capacity as well. So he's taken a little bit of more interest in, in this side of the fence as well. So he's quite interested to ask a few questions about the sort of jobs you know like myself do and the club's media people do as well. So so he's got a bit of a breadth of interest in that as well. Um, so quite an outgoing chap, but uh, but yeah, I'd say a good a good strong character certainly, and I don't think he'll he'll shrink from any of that wherever he is. Well, we need that in the national league, and I suppose lastly, I feel like Carlisle's becoming a little bit of a 
a kind of a breeding ground, a second home for Wrexham's future players. So I mean, we've taken Mark Howell, we've got a goalkeeper from you now, we've got Aaron Hayden, who's done brilliantly for us, was before he got injured, unfortunately, he was a, he's a player of the year candidate for many. Have we got any midfielders or strikers at Carlisle that we should be that we should be looking at? Or we've, we've had a few over the last we've had a few over the last few years that you could have taken, and I think supporters might have driven them down, but without being unkind. Uh, no, you, you you can keep away now, thanks. I know you've had a, you've had a sniff around Callum Guy in the past. Our, did, yeah. our midfielder and captain that that never quite happened. I think people were quite glad that that never happened. I don't know whether any of that interest is still there, but he's very much part of things here. And um, we're hoping that Carlisle will build a team that. Um, that have you know good performing players that do attract interest, I suppose, because that will be a good sign. But mm. we're also hoping that the Paul Simpson factor and the little burst of sort of fresh positivity will, will make them want to stay here and make one or two others want to come here. It, it's sort of a steady rebuilding job on the cards at Carlisle here, and we certainly don't want the likes of you all lot coming up and taking our best players at the minute while we're doing that. But but money talks, of course, very loudly. So you know, fingers crossed, you maybe look elsewhere for one or two of your targets next. So there, there you go then, Rich. It seems like, look, this is a player that, like I said, that, that isn't going to come and and settle for second best. He he doesn't like being around a squad that's too timid. I'm, we've got plenty of characters in our dressing room, looking at Ollie Palmer, Ben Tozer, um, Luke Young, others in there, Paul Mullin. And look, I, I really think we're going to have a really good battle on our hands and it'll be fascinating to see at Nantwich against Macclesfield in Alicante. I mean, you know, we don't know how Leighton is doing at the minute with with his injury. I'm sure that's healing over very, very nicely ahead of the new season uh, and the first game at home, which we'll get on to shortly. But I, I really think this, this could be... God, are we going to get another little tidbit from behind the scenes about a fag packet between them? I, God knows. I don't know what we're going to get out of them, but... Look, I, I think Mark Howard sounds like a guy that's good at penalties. He saved a penalty on his debut with Carlisle. I shared a couple of those on Twitter, like you said about Instagram. Rob Ryan read on Twitter. Shared a couple of clips of Mark Howard. And just the way he speaks. Also, it, you knew it wasn't my day yesterday when the fixtures came out. You've listened to this on the Thursday or later. You knew it wasn't my day. I'd already had the, the pelters, rightfully so, about the festive cock-up. And then I was, you know, uh, in my fields about that. And I put a tweet out about Mark the Mentality Monster. Only uh, in haste, I misspelled monster. So it just wasn't my day. Uh, I put Mark the uh, Mentality Monster, which someone, one of our followers, Rich, reliably informed me means anti in Denmark. So, uh, yeah, maybe he's our mentality anti. Maybe I don't know what he is. Agony ant, mentality ant, I don't know. But Mark Howard, yeah, brilliant from John there. Really good insight. Maybe he's I, I did arrived try and... to up the ante. Maybe, mate, maybe. But I don't know, people are trying to give, cut me some slack on a bad day for me. So, um, yeah, as, as John was saying, I think a, a real good bit of business. You know, runaway player of the season for them. One that came out of nowhere wasn't a name on anyone's lips, was it? So, you know, credit Parkey, credit Les Reed and, and, and others, Sean Harvey, that negotiated that one. I'm excited now. The more I hear about Mark Howard, Rich, the more I'm, the more I'm excited to see him play. Yeah, and of course there was that clip we put up on Twitter as well earlier in the week. He was speaking to a podcast. I think was it a few? It was quite recently, anyway. He's speaking yeah, to another podcast, recent. and he'd say, "I'd be devastated if I went to a team and I wasn't playing week in, week out." So you know, he isn't here to make up the numbers. It's going to be really interesting to see how that dynamics handled. Of course, it's going to be interesting to see. What happens with Dibble? He's gone from being, you know, starting every yeah. game at the end of the season, playing in the Perth semi, playing at Wembley, to potentially third choice now. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that's handled. You know, he's never kicked up a fuss in the past, being the backup goalkeeper, but now he's backup to the backup. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. But in terms of the the strengthening that we needed, that it's the, they're the ruthless squad decisions that needed to be made. You can't be sentimental. We missed out on promotion last season. And, you know, I warned in an earlier podcast that we can't rest on our laurels and act like, oh, we were good last season, so we'll be good again next season. You need to have that competition for places. Make sure no player gets complacent and, yeah, bring it on. And, Nath, we now know 
how the season will start as well. Eastleigh at home on the 6th of August. I know that we sort of joked last week saying you've got to play everyone twice and you can get maybe a bit too overexcited by the, the fixture list, but it is nice planning up some of those weekends away. And for you as well, a lot of Tuesday night games are the big ones this season, aren't they? Yeah, I, some of the ones I really wanted, Rich, you know, Tuesday nights, Oh, yeah, obviously, naturally, given I live a bit further away, away games, particularly down here, are big ones for me. Um, you know, Maidenhead on a Tuesday, I'll be able to do, and all these other ones. But I'm, oh, I've never, didn't think I'd say this. If you'd have asked me a year, I didn't think I'd say this. But I'm disappointed. Scunthorpe away is on a Tuesday night. You know, that will be the diehards that end up going there. But that one, Gateshead again. What is it with this randomly generated fixture computer and giving us Gateshead away? Yeah. I feel like exclusively. I can't remember ever playing Gateshead on a Saturday. We will I remember done, sure. one on a Saturday where I, we scored or equalised right in like the 93rd minute. Oh, I feel like that rings a bell. But it more or less, you take my point. Season or something. Yeah, you take my you point. Mean. More or less, it's it's always a Tuesday night. It's always a trek. We had a habit of getting Dover on a Tuesday night repeatedly, which was just, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe they're just trolling us a bit. But Eastley Rich at home, the, we, we played at that thriller, didn't we, with Eastley at home. Uh, the season just gone. If it's anything like that, it'll be a barnstorming opener. But it, it, interesting, I just wanted to read this quickly, Rich. I don't know if this has been on your radar about Eastley, but Eastley are in, in a real state of flux at the minute, um, off the pitch. They confirmed today that Kenny Amore, um, anyone who's uh, Love Island uh, fans know that Amore, Casa Amore is trending, but this is Kenny Amore. Kenny Amore has stepped down from his role as chairman, Rich, uh, on the eve of the season. And he's also resigned from the board of directors with immediate effect following an FA investigation regarding a potential breach of betting rules. Clubs say his position has unfortunately become untenable and they are awaiting the full outcome of the investigation. And Eastleigh have sent an internal notice to all employees um, to remind them of the betting FA rules. So, you know, that is a state of flux that... Beastly, I've seen a lot of fans there saying, you know, what what does it help mean for them now, chairman and everything? On the pitch, something we can focus on rather than off it. Eastley, famous last words, but Eastley is the type of game that with a big crowd we can get off to a winning start. And dare I say, I look at those first ten games and one word sprung to my mind, opportunity. Yeah. I look at those first ten games, I think there's a real opportunity to get a flying start because the worst thing that could happen I think, is a repeat of how last season started. Now, last season, you could say Phil Parkinson came in late, didn't have all the players he wanted, uh, yada, yada, yada. This season, you're going to have a full season of Oli Palmer. You've gone and got another defender in Jordan Tunnicliffe. You've got potentially a new goalkeeper in Mark Howard. You've got your team. You've got your system. You've got your. You've got to hit the ground running. And I feel, feel like Eastleigh is the type of game where people will be confident going into that one. It's not like we've got to go on the road to a Notts County or to a Chesterfield or, or a Bromley or something like that, which, while we'd still be expected to win that game, much, much trickier assignment. I feel like a home game is what we wanted. We've got that. Eastleigh at home, I, I'm, I'm confident with that. I, I like that as a start. Yeah, and I think from the, those first 10 games, like you said, and the cut-off like a south end away on the uh, 17th of September. Brilliant away need, day, that. You need to be having low 20s at least points from that from that possible 30 because that's such a difference of, of what we had last season and we need to go into October with a real good springboard knowing our best team have some big wins behind us because I know there's going to be unforeseen drop points etc but I think all I think that October is really tricky you've got Oldham away on a Saturday on the Tuesday night you've got Notts County away hopefully you get a bit of respite then with Barnet. But then you've got Boreham Wood away. Grim old match on a Saturday. Yeah. Halifax at home. Alty at home as well, who, you know, are are full-time now. And they've signed some really good mm. players. They've obviously kept kept their own Phil Parkinson going into next season. The Phil season. Parkinson derby, yeah. So, yeah, I think Oldham is the is the month that really sticks out as one for for a lot of issues for us. It's going to be really yeah, tough. Yeah, October. October looks tough, yeah. October. But I think if you just but run through the, the games... The other thing as well, Nate, if I was going to say... October is almost reversed in April. So the final month of the season is Oldham, Halifax, Notts, Barnet, Boreham Wood again. 
and Torquay away. It's a heck of a run in that. That That's is a, a really, a really tricky final month of the season. And but if you, you run us through the if you run us through the first set of games, Rich, before we get to the running, well, now we'll unpack this in, in in good detail as we go through. But August, as we said, sixth of August against Eastleigh. I would imagine BT pick Dorking against Chesterfield. Uh, is it Dorking Chesterfield? Dorking Oldham. I've one of the two. Uh, Dorking, sorry, Dorking Torquay on the first. Oldham have Torquay. Dorking Chesterfield. One of the Dorking Chesterfield will no doubt get picked by BT. I've seen Jeff Brazier tweet about that. Our game will likely be a three o'clock kickoff then. But if you look, if you talk us through the rest of that month, Rich, or talk us through those ten games we mentioned, what have we got in store? So yeah, season starts with Eastleigh at home. A week later, Yeovil away. A, a tricky one again, but mm. you do Jamie record there now. He is there. He is there. Third match of the season, one I'm looking forward to, Chesterfield away. Oof. Great memories of that last season. Did feel a bit scared for my life walking back to the car on the little industrial estate <laughs> afterwards. Hopefully, Did you walk past crossed. the big Tesco there? Did you see this big Tesco, this famous, famously big Tesco? I've apparently. been to the big Tesco before um, when we played right. them in the FA Cup and we drew one all. Um, okay. I've ne- You know what? One of the ones, I've, I, I, I tallied up all the kind of grounds I've been to and everything and there's about three or four in the National League I haven't done, one of which is Chesterfield and one of which is Torquay. So hopefully they're two that I can change this season. But yeah, Chesterfield, third game of the season, that should be a belter. They've made a lot of signings. Shamanga v Mullin, that, that, you know, you went last season, Rich Palmer gets in on the act, we win there. It could be another absolute classic, couldn't it? A way-end packed, even on Tuesday night, that early in the season. That's got the hallmarks of an absolute belter. Yeah, and as mentioned previously in the pod, Mark Crichton could be there as well. Then it comes a run of games, five in a row, and you would say that you could legitimately get 15 points from these. Maidstone at home, Woking away, which of course we saw at the tail end of last season, is a banana skin, but revenge is even sweeter. Gateshead at home, Dorking away, Maidenhead at home. I do not expect us to win all those games, but on paper, it, it does look... Like they're winnable fixtures. Of course, if it was on paper, Wrexham wouldn't be in this bloody league anyway. <laughs> and then the last two games of that that spell as well. Dagenham at home, again, another case of revenge is sweet. And Southend away on the 17th, which was a really interesting fixture last season, wasn't it, Nate? Because Southend had started horribly. Yeah. They went 2-0 up. We fought our way back into the game. And in the end, it turned into quite a good away day for you. Two, two Tyler French assists that day. Jamie Record scored from the first. Dior Angus got the second. Paul Mullen was with us in the away end. Brilliant day. Brilliant brilliant chippy nearby. That's, that's a really good away day. If you can get to that one, I know it's a long old trek, but if you can get there, one of my favourite away days of the year. Just you get, by the, get by the sea. Very, very, very good fun. Um, even if the bouncers are a little bit fussy about who goes in the pubs after the games. So, you're very, very good. Yeovil away I've done before. Yeah, Woking away I did last season as well, Rich. I, I think that early in the season, they've got uh, Paddy Ammon now, haven't they? Which I thought was a really... Padraig Ammon, is it? I think yeah, he was Patrick a really Ammon's nice pick. Yeah, really. Newport former forward, Grim- yeah. Grimsby, former Newport, former Grimsby. Really good pick up that, I think. I'd be interested to see how he gets on. Gates that have lost their two best strikers, I think, or two best forwards to Notts County. So it'd be interesting to see how they are. Oh, I'd love to do Dorking away. Something about it, Dorking Wanderers and Wrexham. I just really want to go. Um, and what it's whatever allowance we'll get there. I'm sure that'll be an interesting one on a Saturday. And Maidenhead, does that mean Paul Mullen's going to get his annual Maidenhead suspension out the way early doors? Or, or is that a thing of the past? Fingers crossed, public service announcement to Paul Mullen. No more Maidenhead red cards, please. And then, yeah, Dagenham, Southend, and we round out September with a home game against Torquay. And we owe Torquay because they... They beat us and drew with us last season. So we owe them, for sure. Nath, pre-season on the horizon then. Fixtures are, you know... Happening soon, that much away is yeah. only over a week away now. But the Alicante games, we've seen some posts on social media now. Um, not a good look from the club, is it? That the game is less than two weeks away now, and we don't know who we're playing or where. 
Um, like I said, I've got that week off on holiday, but I've not been able to book anything yet just because I don't know where I'm going. Obviously, you can go to Spain, you can go to the general area, but sure. in terms of forward planning, it's, it is a tricky one, and in particular for fans who have to take in their special requirements as well. So I put this to the club on Monday, June the uh, July even June. I'm going back in time. Monday, July the fourth. So whenever you listen to this, you'll know. But I put this to the club on Monday, and was told, "Look, nothing to say right now. Um, waiting for the green light, basically to 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 put it out." And so look, that was it. I I got a a, a very sort of non-committal response which is fine it's their right to do so um but then there was this message um by mark breeze who like you say special special mentions which needs to work out you know as a disabled supporter needs to work out public transport well in advance these things are not as easy for me and you to just jump on and, and and decide on a whim last minute and i just thought i'd read his message um on the the 22nd of June, the club's media team announced a pre-season trip to Spain, as we know, with two matches announced for 19th of July, 23rd of July, that would be open for fans. At the time, they said there would be a further announcement next week, which is true of the release. Uh, it says, as a result of this, Hayes Travel announced two packages for Wrexham supporters, and my son and I took the plunge and booked to go. To date, no further in- details have been announced. As I say, we're recording uh, 7pm on Wednesday, still nothing on that yet. To date, no further details have been announced with regards to the opponents, kickoff times, etc, etc. As a disabled supporter who uses a mobility scooter, I need to start public transport well in advance. I've heard from the club today, so Mark has got in touch with the club himself. I've heard from the club today that nothing has been finalised with any clubs regarding the fixtures. They don't know who they are playing and where with less than two weeks until the supposed first match. He said, this Mark's quote nice, it's a complete mess. I spent over £1,000 and it's possibly wasted. Well, I hope not, Mark. He put, I'm so angry about this. Can understand the frustration, Rich. Um... I, I hope it's just sorted very, very soon. It, if that is the case, and, and you know, there's no reason for us to, to doubt Mark's testimony today, um, having spoken to the club on Wednesday, it's, it, it, it's an odd one. It's a very, it's a strange one. Yeah, and, you know, you, I suppose you've also got to take it from the club's point of view that if there is nothing to announce, they can't announce it. But surely you'd already have an idea of who you're going to play before you booked a preseason tour away and say there's going to be two matches and encourage fans to come along. Surely you'd at least have them penciled in, ready to go as fixtures. Otherwise, why have you gone on a preseason tour and invited fans to come along as well and watch the games that they want to? In that case, go to a warm weather camp where fans aren't necessarily invited and you can just play behind closed doors games in a different environment to get fitness up. So yeah, it's a it's a situation which is... You know, just a bad look again for the club, but their hands are tied because they've only had a short time to organise pre-season because the season ended so so late as well. And they were planning for the season to end on the 5th of July, weren't they? Because of, you know, the way that the, the season had gone with the playoffs. So there wasn't much time to get a turnaround. By that, by that time, most teams had already booked in their pre-season friendly fixtures as well so Mm. only a limited pool of opposition we could play so you know i do understand it from the club's point of view and i'm not going to just needlessly have a go at them i I do as well but i'm saying it's just it's just peculiar for sure to to have this gap between saying we're off to alicante and uh, and not knowing what's happening in alicante is all it's just just slightly peculiar not not something where you know, um, nothing that I expected, let's say. But look, hopefully, fingers crossed for for kind of the fans that are going. I know quite a few have booked on. Uh, resplendent in their new away kits, Rich. Uh, I know you got yourself a green jacket, which a lot of people got. Question one, do you look like Ryan Reynolds? And number two, what do you make of the blue away kit? Uh, we did all the graphics and everything on, on social for that one. Mixed reaction. I don't think I've ever had so many comments on a Facebook post uh, in all my life, over about 300 comments, and definitely 50-50. People either loved it or hated it. It was It's one of the most Marmite kits we've had in a while, I think. Yeah, um, I've got the green jacket. I do not look like Ryan Reynolds yet. <laughs> um, that's still a work in yet. progress, hopefully, this, this time. Time is on my side. I've seen a couple of complaints on social media saying that the heat pressing on some people's jackets has been poor and the logos have started to peel off. I don't really like 
you know, heat pressed logos anyway. I think everything should just be embroidered. Right. It's higher quality and for the price you're paying for this jacket as well, I think, you know, that should have been that should What have been was it retailing at? What I believe it, it was about just under fifty pounds. Um, right. Well, I, I did see. I did see somebody say that the club did agree to replace any damage. Yeah, of course, of course. So that's so that that is good. But yeah, it, it is a shame. And talking of embroidery, the new shirt, the new away shirt, not an embroidered badge. Um, which may I, I'm being a kit snob here because I'm I'm trying not to kick the boot in. But what do we think overall, Rich? The color is that Wrexham Lager baby blue. Loads of people have gone and bought it already. I haven't. I'm waiting to see what the home kit comes out with. Did you like it? Is the first question. I did like it. Um, as soon as we saw it, I did like the initial look, and I looked, studied a bit more. I, I like the collar. I really like the you know, the softness of the baby blue. It does look hey, like a sort softness. of Lenore advert, and <laughs> you know, it looks nice. The problem is that, and this is just me boasting now. I've already got the '94. Uh, Welsh Cup winners ah, yeah. strip. So if I was going to wear ultimate. a light blue Wrexham shirt, I'm going to wear the the Oracle, you know, basically with the, the Wrexham the Lager logo OG. on the front. So yeah, it's a really nice kit. I do like it, but like you said as well, I'm just hesitant because I need to see what else is on offer before I make a choice. Obviously, we know the third kit is the same as last season's. Good move by the club to give it that longevity because I yeah, think definitely. Football kits are released at ridiculous prices and so frequently now it's just not a sustainable model. And I think eventually it will almost collapse on itself. You can't keep releasing free new kits for one season at a time because, you know, it's just it's just irresponsible. And it's I know you might say it's yeah, made it's out of recycled materials or whatever, but it's just not it's just not needed. It's so unnecessary. And yeah, I'm gonna wait and see what the home kit's like. Again, I'm a kit snob myself. I don't <laughs> like printed on sort of logos obviously you get it with your main kit sponsor but into i think the manufacturer's logo macron and the club badge should always be embroidered on anything really yes so there's the new kit a little bit of a gripe but thing there are there, have, there has been some good news outside of the signings rich uh i'll give you one yeah sometimes you get this and i get it i actually had it in the office of the week a, um a big big boss at work uh, Stockport fan, so I was trying to hide behind my computer, you know, kind of lower my seat, trying to hide away because they didn't know me, and I did think maybe one of my sort of superiors will point me out and say, "Here's a Wrexham fan." Eventually, that did happen, and was sort of saying to me, "You know, do you think Rob and Ryan will get bored?" And X Y Z. Well, this week Wrexham AFC can confirm that the R R McReynolds company, I love that. Um, has provided a further 1.2 million of equity into the club via a new share issue. So, look, another injection of cash. Um, you know they've they've put money in, and then it, it it's it's very confusing. I don't want to get bogged down in the financial jargon because people have looked at it and gone, you know, loans of 3.67 million for the purpose of various things, buying the freehold of the stadium. I get there'll be some hesitancy to the word loans, but look. The key is that they're pumping money in, they're regenerating the stadium, they're trying to bring on board more sponsors, they're doing all these things, investing in the playing squad. Don't give me this, they're getting bored nonsense after missing out on promotion. They, they love the ride and soon we'll be able to see that ride on the documentary. That is out very soon and hopefully, you know, I've had some good conversations this week. Hopefully we'll be able to bring you some stuff uh, prior to that. So there's been that, Rich. And then... Maybe you can talk us a bit through a certain Mr. Tommy Cows, who's been on the podcast before, headed he's, down. He's infiltrated the, the UK government he's, single-handedly, he's in, hasn't he, he? He's brought down the UK government, mate, because ever since then, the Tory party's been in ruins. So I don't know if there's any correlation between Tommy's visit uh, and the collapse of the government, but Stadium for the North campaign. We did our very, very tiny bit in plugging it and trying to get some signatures, as did the Fearless lads and, and, and various of the groups. A success in the end, and, and, and they went down there and had what looked like a splendid day out, even if Tommy's face said otherwise. Yeah, and, you know, that was the sort of next step in, in this levelling up funding. I know there's been divide on social media about the, the, the reasoning. I know even Welsh football twi Twitter has been questioning why Wrexham needs a new football stadium when there's so many 
other issues in the country as a whole. And, you know, I do understand that, that obviously there's always going to be more pressing issues than, than football because, you know, as the saying goes, football is the most important of the non-important things in life. There's always going to be other real-world issues that do need this funding, etc. But North Wales has been neglected for so long and that you can't always go into arguments saying that, well, there's something else that needs money because that way you can almost... Any, anything that needs funding you can argue against because there's always got to be another more pressing case. And I, I do understand that, but the leveling, leveling up fund is there for these places to get that money. That money's not got to be redistributed anyway, even if you think it should be. It, it's just simply mm. not. So it's going to go to a council to level up their local area. And why not Wrexham? Why would you want it to go to another part of the UK? And I know that there's already been some investment you know, in North Wales already in terms of the levelling up funding but this is massive this is so massive it goes beyond the football club it's about having this epicenter for all north wales sport and for the next generation and for us to not just talk about wales playing football in the north with rose tinted spectacles talk about the good old days that can be the future as well the welsh fa are committed to doing that and you were even looking at this after the world cup playoff win why couldn't mm-hmm. all of the Nation League games be in Wrexham and then have the qualifiers down in Cardiff? That's maybe one way of doing it. Obviously, then you're maybe categorising the fixtures and you're still giving the South better fixtures probably, but you're still giving the North massive international fixtures because they would have watched Belgium, you know, Poland. They would have watched, or not the Poland game yet, and they would have watched the Netherlands playing mm, at Wrexham. Exactly. So there's definitely a way to do it and... Yeah, thank you to everyone who signed that petition. That's the you know the least we can do really, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we can hear some more good news on that. But it's a it's all a bright future for the club, and I just can't wait to to see the way that we develop over the next season as well. And hopefully, that coppery development will uh, get even closer and start to materialise into something that is again sort of tangible and real because we've said before the coppery development has always seemed like this pipe dream that we always hark on about but there's never actually going to happen. And now it really does feel real. Yeah, I was going to say, any other business then, Rich? I did want to bring up, I'd forgotten, but I did want to bring up uh, congratulations to Bryce Hosanna, who in a recent bleep test was the last man standing. Now we had Cam Green on a podcast, which is still doing unbelievable numbers. Clearly a lot of people want to listen to what Cam Green has to say. All the best to him in what he goes on to do. He is so far not gone in the Love Island Villa. So uh, the national media that were going with that one. His friend's in him though, and, isn't he? If his friend is in there. His friend is really, in there. But I think yeah. they saw him and him and Gemma Owen together and have uh, joined the dots for that one. But yeah, thanks for everyone who's listened to that one. Still doing unbelievable numbers. He was talking about how Harry Lennon and was it Reese or Johnson were the fastest. Although those two was it, I think. And... Um, Anyway, Bryce Hosanna was first in the recent bleep test and Reese Hall-Johnson was second. So we have got some pure pace merchants down that right side. And those two, you would imagine, will be pushing each other this season. I think if we don't go and get another right wing back, I think we're fine. I think we've got those two pushing each other. It'd be good to get someone in pushing Callum McFadzie into that same degree. Let's see, though. We've gone and got a goalkeeper. We've gone and got a centre-back. Will we go and get that Jay Harris-type midfielder? And will we go and get any strikers? Kwame Thomas signed up at Sutton. Dan Jarvis now signed up at Gateshead. I'm trying to think who else. Jamie Records signed up at uh, Yeovil. Could do with a a striker or two, though, couldn't we? My dad always said it was called Yeovil. Yeovil? Yeah, he said that's Um, how locals sort of pronounce it more than... uh... Okay, well, you know, uh, I've had one trip to Yeovil. And I, it was the only Wrexham game, I hold my hands up, it was the only Wrexham game I've been to where I left early. Now, I consider early more than five minutes before the end. If you leave in stoppage time or whatever, then so be it. But more than five minutes is you've left early. I left early. It was the game where Rob Lainton basically dropped the ball on the floor. Courtney Duffus, who I believe is still dating the tennis player Heather Watson, tapped it in and we yeah we looked like we just stopped running so my trip to Yovel and I had to wait for you the, had a grovel the, in Yovel I had a grovel in Yovel but I also had to wait for the taxi driver to he was a season ticket holder for Yovel 
and he came out and I... So why did you leave early if the taxi driver I don't, was still I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just stood outside. I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And um, anyway, so he was like very sort of humming along, singing chants to himself on the way home. It was a very painful taxi home and an expensive one as well. So uh, the Grovel and Yovel, not one I would recommend. But if you do go, enjoy it. Uh, uh, any other final business, Rich, before we go? It's, a lot has happened this week. I, my brain's completely frazzled. No, yeah, I think it's going to be like this for the next few weeks as well, isn't it? Hopefully some more signings on the horizon. And, of course, next week, Wrexham's pre-season schedule does officially start. So So there you go. Yeah, before that, Rich, so very quickly, I've just remembered. Thanks for everyone who's going to listen to the Manny Smith podcast. We got some really heartwarming messages, unbelievable messages from fans all over the world about the power of that. And I get, look, I get it's a very, very, very tricky listen, that one. And, you know, you've got to be in the right headspace. But if you do have time to spare, you do have a spare 90 minutes or you do have a spare hour, I would encourage you to to share that around with uh, other people. So, yeah, if you want to hear more on that one, Manny Smith Part 1 is out there. That's doing really well. And Manny Smith Part 2 uh, is a one. Yeah, I'm really, really proud to have put that one out. So thanks for all the support on the podcast. Go back. We're on episode 75 now, Rich. Can you believe that? Episode 75. I know it's it's yeah ridiculous really that we're still going and people are still listening but thank you very much we really do appreciate it like we said myself and Nate will be here every step of the way for this bumper season that lies ahead yeah thank you very much for joining us on Rob Ryan Red the Wrexham AFC podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development as always please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already take care and we'll see you again next time It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.